I'd like to invite your attention tonight to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. We will be looking at verses 5 and 6 in Matthew chapter 6. And it's a preaching on a subject that I struggle with, and that is prayer. And I think that we all, it's something we all struggle with, uh, uh, that we never perfect, but it's certainly instructed uh, here in Holy Scripture and by our Lord Jesus Christ. Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, we read the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Let us pray. Father, thank you for, for your word that we just read. And help me, your unworthy servant, as I proclaim your word tonight, that I will do it faithfully. I ask this in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. To pray is both uh, simple and difficult, I find. You know, you get down to praying, it's just, you know, talking or communication with God. And yet at the same time, it feels like the most difficult thing in the world to do. I mean, even more difficult than studying for a sermon or for a lesson or anything else because you always feel like, am I saying the right words? Am I, am I praying right? And then you struggle with the flesh and praying. You know, you, there's always that temptation to put it off. And I'll, you know, in the morning, I'll pray at, at noon. And then, then at noon, you say, I'll pray this evening. And then, when you get, then at evening, you fall asleep. It's always that struggle with the flesh. Uh, in Luke 11, 1, Jesus was asked by one of his disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. Meaning that it's not something that just comes naturally. It's something that, you know, we need to learn to. Teach us to pray. It's amazing. They didn't say teach us to study the Bible. Teach us to pray. It's something that's, uh, that we all, I believe, struggle with. And Jesus tells us here in verse 5, there's a wrong way to pray. And we'll see in verse 7 later on, there's also another wrong way to pray. Uh, he, said, he tells them, you know, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray in the synagogues, in the corners of the street, to be seen of people. Uh, what these people were doing were primarily the Jewish religious leaders. They were praying... To be seen by people. You know, look how holy they are. Look at he's praying right there uh, in the middle of the street, in the middle of the synagogue. Maybe he's saying very eloquent words. And look, if that's the way you pray, that's fine. But there's, you know how it is. Some people will say things to make them appear more holy than they are. But Jesus is saying, he's, God's not pleased with that. 
It's much like, you know, we go, we're not going to go there. If you read the book of Amos, Amos chapter 5, where God said to Israel, I don't want to hear your songs anymore, your songs of praise. They're noise to me. Take them away. Why? Because they weren't, pray, they weren't doing it by faith. It was all just a big show. And that's the same with this prayer, this showboating prayer, I call it. Uh, they were doing it to be seen of men. Now, Jesus is not condemning public praying. Uh, for we see that in the Old Testament, there's public praying. One of the oldest, if not the or longest uh, prayers in the entire Bible was Solomon's prayer. And Jesus prayed in public. But what he was doing was this praying in public where you show yourself off. And look how holy I am. Jesus says they got their reward. The praise of men. And that's the only reward they're getting. Uh, God's not going to answer such prayer because it's not given by faith. It's not prayed by faith. Now prayer is a necessity. It's a necessity because he states uh, here uh, when you pray. When you pray. Uh, it's not a matter of if you pray. Uh, you are going to pray when thou prayest. Don't do what they're doing. So there's an assumption here that those who follow Jesus, believers, are going to pray because it's necessity. Now, we may not be the best at praying. We may often be inconsistent at praying. But I believe all believers know we need to pray and feel a need to pray because of the Holy Spirit within us. Uh, it's kind of like uh, when you eat. Uh, you don't ever say uh, if you eat because you are going to eat. Because uh, if you don't eat, your body's going to die. You have to eat. And but now sometimes we don't. I'm speaking of myself, don't always make the best dietary choices. But we are going to eat. The same should be true with prayer. You know, prayer is essential for our spiritual life. And a lack of prayer or prayerlessness will really hurt us spiritually because we're losing communication with our Father in heaven. And prayer shows a dependence upon God and not upon myself, not upon my best friend, not upon my pastor. Uh, though it's, look, if you have problems, you know, it's good to talk with your brothers and sisters in Christ, to talk to Brother Jimmy. Uh, and that's good, and you should. But our first response should be to our Father in heaven. Uh, for He knows our needs before anybody else because it shows a dependence upon Him. Now in verse 7, I want to read what we go, often call the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gives us another way not to pray in verse 7. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before ye ask them. After this matter, manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, you know, verse 5 focused on how many of the Jews prayed, uh, wanting to be seen of men. Many of the Jewish leaders did. But verse 7 is really focusing on how the Gentiles prayed because he mentions the heathen, the pagans. How did they pray? Well, they were bad about using vain repetitions, which was basically they would repeat the names of their pagan gods over and over again, hoping to be heard. A good example of this, and we're not going there, but 1 Kings 18.26, the prophets of Baal in their confrontation with Elijah, when they prayed to Baal, it says that from morning to noon they were saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. They were just repeating this over and over again. And this was common among the Gentile pagans uh, to continue to repeat like an incantation-like is what it was. And Jesus is, says, you know, look, your father knoweth what, you, what things you have need of before you ask him. You know, they thought that they could be heard for much speaking. But see, they viewed their gods as some sort of distant God that they had to appease. Jesus is saying, your Father in heaven's not like that. Go to Him. He's not a distant God. There was a song, oh, I think it was back in the 1990s, a Beth Mittler song, was it her, I believe? You know, God is watching us from a distance. Uh, no, He's not watching us from a distance. Uh, I don't know where they get that from. No, he's not watching us from a distance. Uh, God is not far away, my friends. Uh, and then Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. This is really all our prayers should be modeled after this prayer. Uh, where you know the where there's a, you, you'll notice here there's an acknowledgement of who God is. He is our Father in heaven. We have a loving Father in heaven. And we should pray that His name be hallowed or be sanctified here on earth. Look, God's name is holy regardless of whether men blaspheme it or praise Him. But we should pray that others would you know, honor His name here on earth and pray for His kingdom to come I believe through the spread of the gospel and of course ultimately for his return as John said, come quickly Lord Jesus and that his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We know it's done perfectly in heaven because there's no sin. But we should pray for his will to be done here on earth and then give us this day our daily bread. That is our necessities. Daily bread. You know, that was the staple food in Jesus' day. They didn't eat meat every day. Bread was the common uh, uh, part of their meal. Give us this day our daily bread, our necessities. We need to pray for those things that we need. We need to pray for forgiveness every day because we sin every day against others and also forgive others. We should pray for God to lead us to avoid areas of temptation that may lead us into sin. There's traps out there. And we should pray that God 
deliver us from evil in each and every day and always praise Him for hit, for Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Uh, prayer is a necessity. And He shows us a model a way of we to pray. And if you'll notice, this prayer, this model prayer, even though we're praying for our needs, is God-centered, not me-centered. And that's so important. And then going back to verse 6, uh, he tells us to enter into thy closet. And when thou shut the door, pray to your Father which is in heaven. That enter into your closet, or another translations translate this private room or inner room. Uh, Jesus is not saying, by the way, go build a prayer room or a prayer closet. Nothing wrong with doing that if you want to do it. But he's primarily saying you've got to get away from this world and spend some time with, God, with your Father in heaven in prayer. Get away. Shut out this world. And spend a long time with God. Uh, I remember reading, uh, it was a Christian website talking about something like this and saying, you know, get along with God and pretend He's in a chair there in the room with you. And I'm thinking, you don't have to pretend God's in the room with you. You know, it's like He's Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. He's not an imaginary figure, God isn't. He is there with you when you go into your prayer closet. That's so important. Uh, and I believe, by the way, this can apl be applied not just to private prayer, but look, if I'm praying here amongst you that I should be going, not be thinking about what about y'all or anybody else, but I should be totally focused upon God in my praying. Uh, a good Old Testament, some Old Testament examples. Uh, one is in Genesis chapter 24, verse 63. Uh, we don't get a whole lot of context. As this is when Rebecca was coming to meet Isaac, but it's uh, one verse. But to me, it's just a beautiful verse showing what type of man Isaac was, because we know that he prayed for uh, his wife Rebecca to have a wife later. I mean, have a have a son later. That he was a man of prayer, and we see here in verse sixty three. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at evening time, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. But notice what it states. He went out to meditate in the field at evening tide. Now, this was not some sort of Eastern meditation, Hinduism, Buddhism. This was simply, uh, I believe, meditating upon God and his, and his wonder that he was spending some time with God He's out here in nature doing it, away from everything. It's good to do that, isn't it? To get away. Uh, I often find that you know, if you go for a walk and just pray, it's just something about that, especially if it's out in nature, not in the middle of the town you know, where there's noise, but just getting away. Uh, I've heard of people, I've known of people who a lot of times when they pray, they'll just uh, they'll say they're going a long walk. Maybe they'll listen to an audio Bible while they're walking. They spend time sharing their needs with the Lord. It's good to get away. Maybe it's out in nature as we see here with Isaac. In 2 Kings chapter 19, we see a case of this with Hezekiah. In 2 Kings chapter 19, 
uh, Hezekiah is facing some problems. Uh, the Assyrian Empire under Sennacherib is on the attack. And he's received some words. I'll read this beginning in verse 10. It's, this is, these are the words from the, king, uh, from the king of Assyria, his messenger that's sent to Hezekiah. In verse 10, Thus shall you say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Let not thy God, in whom thou trustest, deceive thee, saying, Jerusalem shall not be delivered in the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, thou hast heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands by destroying them utterly. And shall thou be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them which my fathers have destroyed as Gozan and Haran and Resip and the children of Eden which were in Thelassar? Where is the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad and the king of the city of Seraphim of Hina and Ava. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine ears and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which have sent him to reproach the living God. Now, that's just part of that prayer, but that's so beautiful there. Hezekiah receives threats from a foreign enemy. An enemy that outnumbered him. The Assyrian Empire is one of the greatest empires of ancient times. And what did Hezekiah do? Well, he read the threats and then he went to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord and prayed to God, trusting in God's sovereignty and God's power. Uh, I've heard it said before, if, you, if you're worried about things, write everything you're you're worrying about, and then after you finish, make that's your prayer list. And that's what basically Hezekiah did. He turned that those threats into a prayer list. Here's, Lord, what he's saying to me. Here's his threats. I'm trusting you, Lord, to meet my needs, to defend me in this city. Oh, how we need to, as Peter states in 1 Peter 5, 7, to cast all our cares up on him. Uh, we need to go in our prayer closets and lay our problems before God for he has the answers, my friends. Uh, Jesus himself uh, made it a habit of taking his prayers to God early in the morning. If you go to Mark chapter 1, the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 1, in verse 35, we read that in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him 
And when they found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. Notice that Jesus, in the morning, he rose up a great while before day. Uh, that great while means very early. That's the, trans, the literal meaning, very early. So this was very early in the morning. What does that mean? Uh, I, when I think of early in the morning, I think about 6 a.m. This might have been around 3 a.m., 4 a.m. is what I'm thinking when I think very early. I could be wrong there. But this was very early. And Jesus was busy. Jesus had a lot of cares as he ministered. Because Peter says, everybody's looking for you. All men are seeking after you. He, there are crowds coming. But Jesus, before any of that, took it to, to His Father in heaven. And if Jesus Christ, perfect God and perfect man, did that, what about us who are sinners, who are imperfect? How much we need. We can say, I'm so busy in the morning. I don't have time to pray. Maybe you, <laughs> you need to make time to pray. We all do. We need to make that time to spend time with God in prayer. He's ready to hear. We're often not ready to pray is the whole problem. That we need to go to Him in our prayers to carry our needs to Him. And going back to Matthew chapter 6, uh, we shut that door, pray the Father which is in heaven, and I, and I like this, and this is where we often, I think, I miss out. I say I miss out. And thy Father which seeth in secret. That is, He sees you're praying in secret. We'll, we'll reward thee openly. A lot of times we pray without expecting an answer. We look at praying kind of like uh, it's a football game. You know, in a football game when... Your team is down, they're at their, maybe their 20-yard line, time's running out, and then the quarterback gets in the shotgun, goes back, and he throws it as far as he can, hoping to, you know, get a touchdown in the last seconds. I think sometimes we think that's what prayer is like. It's just a desperation act. You maybe will hit something. Maybe God an answer, maybe not. But here it says, Jesus said, and Jesus says this more than once, expect an answer. Matter of fact, you go to chapter 7. What does he say in verse 7 of Matthew 7? Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be open or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread will he give him a stone or if he ask a fish will he give him a serpent if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him here Jesus says, look, pray. If you have a need, pray. Take it to God. Take it to your Father in heaven. He's, this is not like this is some sort of desperation move. He says, if you who are evil, we who have a sin nature, who sin daily, if you're one of your children asks you for something, you'll meet, you'll meet that need. You'll help them. 
how much more your Father in heaven? How much greater will He meet your needs? I know this; these verses have been twisted by many in the health and the wealth gospel. And I think that's why sometimes we shy away from this. Because we got this health and wealth, you know, you know, ask for it, you're going to receive it. But, uh, and I know that can be the name it and claim it have, you know, they will twist these verses. And we're going to see there's a proper way to ask, by the way, to pray. Uh, everything has to be taken into context, anything. You can make any verse of Scripture if you want to in the Bible mean anything you want. But you've got to put it in context. Because James reminds us in James chapter 4 and verse 3, uh, a cautionary, something we need to always caution ourselves with when praying. Uh, James 4, 3, Ye ask and receive not, because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. And that's, I'm afraid, some, like, like I mentioned in the health and wealth, it's, you know, ask for, you know, to get wealthy. And, uh, and look, you can find it easily on Trinity Broadcasting Network or any of these others where they'll, t- they'll make promises and send money to me. But we're also warned in the Bible you don't ask to consume it upon your own lust, to consume it on your own flesh. And a lot of people give fleshly prayers. They're asking for things, but it's not out of faith. It's out of greed. It's out of selfishness. Uh, that's what they're looking for. The name it and claim it. We're told in 1 John chapter 5, when it comes to praying, these words uh, in First John chapter five, verse thirteen, and the first verse thirteen is a great verse of on assurance of salvation. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever He asks, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Here's the key thing, praying in God's will. Uh, There's things that we may ask for that's not in God's will. You know, Lord, you know, help me win in the Powerball. You know, become a millionaire. You know, uh, uh, that's how. I, and believe me, I hear that all the time at work. If I can ever, and if I get that lottery ticket right, uh, one asks, "Do you think it's right to pray for the win?" <laughs> I don't think God's going to answer that prayer. Uh, you know, that's asking to consume it on your own lust. And there's a lot of that praying. You know, praying uh, selfish prayer, but. You know, what is it, you know, that what is God's will on this that I'm praying about? This need. Ask Him and expect an answer if it's according to His will. John tells us. You know, if uh, it, it may be something simple that you may need. You know, I need encouragement. Pray about that. Lord, I need some encouragement some way. Uh, it may be a financial or maybe a spiritual need, or Lord, I'm struggling with this sin. God, please show me. Help me. I, 
forgive me, but help me also to not to, to win the battle against it. Bring it all before God, whatever it is, uh, because He's ready there to hear. Andrew Murray, uh, South African pastor of many years ago, says, Oh, let the place of secret prayer become to me the most beloved spot on earth. And he continued, in another place he stated, Faith in a prayer hearing God will make a prayer loving Christian. What are some problems and needs that you are struggling with? And we all got problems, every one of us. We're all struggling with things. There's nobody that isn't. If you're on this earth, you have problems each and every day. There may be some things you're worried about tomorrow. Monday's coming. Back to the work week. What are some things, some struggles that you have in front of you? Take it to God in prayer. We all have them. Do like Hezekiah. Put that problem right before the Lord. Say, Lord, here it is. I'm trusting you. I'm looking to your, for your sovereign help. Uh, as one of the hymns that we sang earlier, His hands can turn my griefs away. And I want to close with these words from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. And... Remember these words always when it comes to prayer, I believe. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, Lord God, knowing that we have a Father in heaven who loves us, who are His children. And Lord, we often so much neglect praying. We neglect taking our needs to You. We bear them on our own or we carry them to somebody else and talk to them, but we fail to turn to You who's all-sovereign and who loves us and cares for us. Lord, we all have so many needs. I know in this church, and Lord, help us to always look to carry those needs, whether it be a personal, financial, a spiritual, Lord, knowing that you're a loving God, more eager to hear us pray than we are to even pray. And we're just thankful, Lord, for that we have a God in heaven who hears us unworthy sinners through our one mediator, Jesus Christ, the righteous. In His holy name I pray. Amen.